so it's better if you're uh, if you're CRISPR because if you're CRISPR, then we can use you to cut some DNA, and we can use that to mutate some rodents, and that'll be interesting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Jacob Malicic, and I'm one of your hosts. With me, as always, is Matthew Westfox, another of our hosts. Matthew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. If I sound a little clearer, it's because apparently I was a good boy. Santa brought me on a very nice microphone for Christmas this year, and we're uh, giving it its maiden voyage. Yes, as we all know, you only get things by deserving and earning them, and nobody ever gets something that they don't deserve. Uh, are, are, are you asking our listeners to question Santa Claus? No, no, not to question Santa Claus, but question the idea. Just, just posit in your mind the notion that perhaps a meritocracy is not the only way people benefit, and some people benefit without merit. Just think about it. Oh. Uh, anyway, that's not what we're talking <laughs> about. We're talking about explosions in space with swords and magic. And to join us in this discussion, we once again have the wonderful Becky Allen. Becky, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Can we can we go back to that meritocracy thing? Because I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. <laughs> Look, uh, you have. The only part uh, I'm, a, I'm sorry to tell you. He is at gifts for Christmas. That's all. But but I don't celebrate only Christmas. from a magical being. <laughs> oh, that's a fair point. Well, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, d- does Hanukkah Harry not reward the good, good and the bad? Who Hanukkah Harry and I are in a feud. <laughs> okay, that that's legit. That's oh. legit. Um, oh, that's rough. J- Jacob, I would suggest you check out Saturday Night Live episodes from the uh, late '80s, early '90s. Hanukkah Harry was a, a real hit back then. Sure. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, today we're going to be talking about holiday uh, spiritual entities and the way that they... No. Uh, we're talking hey, about hey, Star Hey, listen, Wars, I believe in uh, Santa because... Claus more than some of what J.J. Abrams wrote, so... So, uh, today uh, we're going to talk about how we all got a rise out of a particular theater, uh, and that rise was Rise of Skywalker, and what... Basically, like... We had, our last episode, we had talked about, like, what we were thinking was going to happen, or, or our thoughts, our wants, our, our our worries about what was going to transpire in the film. And now that we've all seen it, um, because I actually saw a movie shortly after it released for once in my life, uh, we want to have a discussion about what we thought of it. Uh, and so to kick us off, I think we should talk about, you know, generally how we felt about the movie. Um, and I, I'll throw to our guest, I'll throw to you, Becky, if you wouldn't mind leading us off. What, what, what did you think of Rise of Skywalker? I mean, I, I have conflicting feelings, because the thing is, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked watching it. It was fun. The parts that I cared about the most were pretty satisfying. There were explosions and space lasers, and it was a, it was a good time to watch. It was also nonsense. Um <laughs> Very little of it actually made sense. The plot was kind of incoherent gibberish. There were definitely some dropped threads and some pieces I was really disappointed by. Um, and I'm not sure J.J. Abrams did watch The Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> but, but well, I have a, a lot of notes. A lot of things that I would change or refine or would have done differently. I walked out of the theater actually feeling pretty good and positive. It was an enjoyable experience and I'm... 
there are ways in which I'm disappointed, but overall, I came out thinking, that was fine. Which is not as great as I'd hoped, but it's not as bad as it could be. I'm glad to hear you had that experience, and I'm, I think that the second time I see it, I will have that experience. Because I, I think I was a lot more disappointed. I wasn't angry the way I thought I would be, and I certainly did enjoy it a lot more. Um... The, the way I, I've described it to some people is I feel like this was the polar opposite of all the issues I had with the prequels in that the prequels were actually fairly good in terms of their connection to the story and the way that they flesh out the world and the saga. And now that you know all the things you do, you can go back and watch the prequels and groan through the bad dialogue and the horrible acting, but sort of say, OK, I get how this fits into the whole story. This, to me, is the polar opposite because it is much better writing, much better dialogue. Like, as a basic science fiction movie, it's a perfectly enjoyable two-hour popcorn movie. It just feels totally disconnected to the rest of the Star Wars saga. Um, I, I love what you say, uh, uh, Becky, that you don't, you're not sure if um, J.J. ever watched Last Jedi because that's more charitable in my interpretation, which is he watched it, took notes, and figured out how many things could he actively stab in the back. Um, but but either way, I think that's the way I see it. It's kind of the um, – I, I think I'm going to be able to enjoy it as something separate from the Star Wars canon. Um, and this time I wasn't angry, but I was definitely looking at it as this wasn't the movie I wanted. This wasn't the movie I thought they were going to give us. And it, it just didn't seem to fit with all the reasons that I loved Last Jedi. So, I've I've mixed feelings on the movie. Uh, in general, I did come out with uh, the same impression that uh, that Becky had, in that I I enjoyed it. Um, I had a good time at the theater. Um, it was a fun movie, and for the most part, there was nothing in there that really. There's nothing in the movie itself that upset me, but there is sort of this lingering. The, the the connectiveness point that you make, Matthew, is one that I think is is interesting because there's it felt to me like either you go into this movie and you are looking for ways to connect it to the Force Awakens and and the Last Jedi to make sense of this as the culmination of a trilogy, or you or you sit there and let the movie tell you how it's connected. If you do the latter, it doesn't work. The movie doesn't give you anything to go on. It's just another movie, right? right? It, it doesn't feel like a part of the trilogy. If you dig, then you can find ways to connect it to uh, to even The Last Jedi, believe it or not. But I'm not sure how much of it is, you know, my own interpretations uh, based on my own uh, presuppositions about what the story is about and how much of it is actually intended by the creator. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's something that I've struggled with on this podcast a lot when we were talking about media is, does it matter if the creator interpreted it or, or meant that interpretation, or is the fact that I can walk away with that interpretation good enough? Right. And uh, and I, I was about to say something specific for the, um, I was about to say something specific for the movie, um, but let me just say this now. Let's, for the next couple of minutes, keep the conversation fairly general like this, um, and then we'll do a Mm -hmm. spoiler warning and start jumping to some specifics. Because certainly at the end of the movie, there is something where 
I definitely have that moment of I can headcanon this to make sense. Uh, but we'll discuss that a bit once we get past kind of general impressions. Right. Right. So guess like to sum up my general impression, it's I enjoyed it. I'm, I felt like I had to do a lot of I felt like I had to do more mental work than I'm used to to get it connected to the other films in the trilogy in a way that was satisfying. Um, and I'm not sure whether or not I should rate it down for that because I don't think we should like should think our audience shouldn't think, but it's also hard for me. It, it felt safe. I guess is is where I'm coming from is that I felt like it could have been more overt and it wouldn't have cost anything except that maybe you upset some fans who didn't like that interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, and I I will say so I think the kind of thinking that it asks you to do is not the good kind. Um because I think that a a good smart movie can leave you asking questions and have you do work to connect the dots and trust you to do it and that is good thinking that is the kind of thinking you should be doing when you're watching a movie but having to do the thinking of like wait but that doesn't fit in with the thing in the last movie unless i guess they did this and this between but they didn't mention so i'll assume that they did because otherwise what like that's right that that's thinking that implies that the filmmaker has failed in their job a little bit um and i i do think that there are ways in which that's the case i guess For me, I would sum it up as I enjoyed this movie, but there were a lot of missed opportunities in it, and they could have done something much better. So even though I enjoyed watching it, like for me, that's where the disappointment comes in. I I think that makes a lot of sense. And let me say now, I think we're all kind of wanting to to start talking specifics. So I will say now, spoiler warning, um, if you have not yet seen the movie and are planning to probably turn this off, um, go see the movie and then come back. and, and let me just push a bit on that because I, I think – does what I said about this being kind of the reversal of the, the prequels make sense in that regard? Because I, I think it's that enjoyment part that most makes me think that because even though I was more annoyed by this movie than I think you two were, I certainly could recognize that it was a much more enjoyable experience whereas, frankly, watching the prequels was just painful. Like – your point uh, to the prequels is that uh, they at least did feel connected to the overarching Star Star Wars story, whereas these felt more disconnected. Is that where yeah, it, is that? Am I summarizing I, your I, idea correctly? I, I guess the way I would a better way to phrase it is the prequels were solidly part of the main story in ways that make sense that were horribly terribly executed. Whereas this was a very well executed, you know, the special effects were great, the dialogue was funny, the the acting was amazing. The execution was very good of a story that was written in a way that that didn't fit into the rest of everything and and didn't didn't feel coherent to the um the rest of the saga in a way the prequels do. I guess I I somewhat disagree. But I understand where you're coming from, because I do think it's it's accurate to say that the prequels have a clear, defined direction. They know where they're going from the start, um, and I don't I don't think that that's true with this trilogy. I I could be wrong, but it did feel a little frenetic. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Yeah, agreed. I just don't remember the prequels well enough to judge. I remember <laughs> being bored and disappointed by them. Um, they definitely, like, because we know the endpoint for the characters, they feel very connected. I think that is true. Um, and I think that there are ways in which The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi also feel very connected and could be part of that whole. And then the rise of Skywalker was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so I think that, yeah, you are correct that this feels like a very disconnected, different story, which is a weird thing to do with the conclusion of your trilogy. Yeah. And, and that's why I think of it as, to me, as kind of a separate thing. Like, there are – the new Mad Max movie, Fury Road, is a phenomenal movie, and I loved it the second time I saw it. Um, I am a big fan of the original Mad Max movies, and so the first one I was mostly just disappointed that it wasn't that. And when I'm able to now think of it as just Fury Road and not try to connect it to the Mad Max movies, I think it's a fantastic movie. I may well have that experience with this one, um, whereas I see this as just kind of a its own kind of sort of Star Wars connected thing. But you're right, Becky, as, as the end of the trilogy, it just, I think, really failed. What did you think of Blade Runner 2049 or whatever it was called? I actually really liked that. And I thought it did a very good. Okay, cool. Very good, we should talk about that one then. Yes, actually, uh, um, <laughs> at some point uh, that, later. That's a great one for doing an AI uh, discussion. But uh, yep. back to Star Wars. Although, actually, back to Star uh, Wars. AI sure. ethics is obviously a, a big thing it. with uh, C-3PO's journey in this movie, which we'll get to. Uh, and not only that, but a, a point to ri- so prior to going to the theater to watch the movie, um, I watch so like the day before i was going to watch the movie in the theater i watched force awakens and last jedi just back to back and something that i had missed in my first watchings of those movies that then when i got to rise of skywalker was consistent is how ray treats all droids like people Mm. um and it's beautiful and i just i didn't notice and then when i when i watched through those two movies again and the rise also had it that is a very consistent thing with her character she treats them as persons and i loved that that's interesting yeah because i think every other character in the whole saga at least certainly with c-3po at some point in time finds a way to say something insulting or frustrated to c-3po and she she never does yeah uh, I don't recall her being uh, condescending or, or anything like that um, and, ha- you know, has an issue with the whole, like, asking him, yeah, you know, we have to wipe your memory for this thing. Is that okay? Like, that's that's a big thing. The... You basically <clears throat> have to die. That stinks. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't picked up on it as specifically uh, to, like, she treats droids as people, um, but... We'll get into this in a little bit, I'm sure, but Ray in general is the reason why I found the movie satisfying. Like, I I really liked what they did with her character for the most part in this. They're definitely, Uh again, the the plot, the the story arc, like the character (laughs) arc were not fully coherent, but the bits and pieces that they gave us, I really liked, and I think her treating droids as people fits right in with that. Like, for me, it was that she had learned how to heal people and snakes. Um, (laughs) Like, I I thought that that was a a really lovely thing. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I I definitely pick up on that. And I, Becky, I share that frustration and, and, and comment because honestly, I think the best part of this, this, um, movie 
was the acting of the uh, by the actors who played uh, Ray and Kylo. I thought both of them were phenomenal. And it was yeah. part of what made their story arc so frustrating to me because it felt so wasted in something I didn't want. Um, but let, let's step back a bit and just go to kind of general impressions. So, um, like, Jake, Jacob, when you're talking about the um, – the kind of feeling the need to headcanon stuff. Let's let's talk about some specifics because uh, what are some of the things that you're kind of thinking of there where it feels like it just it doesn't fit unless you do some real headcanon work. So, well, the big thing um, was so there's this whole um, thing about it, it. It goes all the way to the end of the movie is is the problem. So like it's it's not so much. Uh, specific individual moments it's the story as a whole that i'm having to headcanon is i think even wrong i think it's a valid interpretation of the text uh basically what i was getting at was um the story of like uh force awakens ray really wants to know who, who her parents are and where she came from because she wants to it clearly very much matters to her and she thinks it matters um, and people are talking like it matters. And Last Jedi, it's your parents came from nothing, whatever. And then it, well, okay, so it doesn't matter. And then in Rise, it's like, well, yes, but no, because we're going to tie you to Palpatine. Um, but then, and this is where, like, I don't think it's this much mental gymnastics. The fact that in this saga where uh, these family connections have mattered so much. Who you are and where you came from mattered so much. Um, the fact that she never did turn, even though she was, um, you know, descended from the the big bad of the Sith of the time. Um, and really, her the only thing that mattered about her ancestry was that uh, good old Grandpappy Palps thought it was a good idea to take her body. Ugh, gross. Um, that that was it right she it wasn't anything to do with uh her being destined to join the dark side or or become evil or whatever and so i felt that was con it was sort of consistent throughout in the messaging of actually you're where like your family doesn't dictate who you're going to be and it isn't about um and in, in, in that way, you can interpret it as it is rejecting this idea of this sort of monolithic uh, monomyth thing, because it didn't matter that she had come from Palpatine. She's got a completely different journey in her own story. And in a lot of ways, Kylo Ren also reflects that because his journey is radically different from uh, what either of his parents or his uncle experienced. I think that's a, a really nice and interesting way to look at it. Um, I hadn't really because I was stuck on, really, she's a Palpatine, that's kind of dumb, and the, like, backtracking so hard they left skid marks in the parking lot of <laughs> saying her parents were, were no one, because they chose to be no one, because one of them was yeah. Palpatine's <laughs> child, and so, like... I yeah. so I was very stuck on nope, the that did what? feel very dumb. I agree. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, it ma it makes sense, and I think it it is. 
as you are describing that, I do think it is interesting to look at Rey as a character who, like, she has, you know, she has dark side abilities. She's she's inherited all of this power from Palpatine, and we're told pretty explicitly she has these powers because she is a Palpatine. She's gonna be evil and yeah. do terrible things, and if for her, it right. is a rejection it is of the family. But, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, her rejecting the family legacy, I think, is really interesting compared to the way that family legacies have loomed through this entire saga. But I, th- that's one of those things where it's like, is is that what was intended? I genuinely can't tell because I feel like mostly J.J. Abrams was interested in having nostalgia stuff like Palpatine and then things that blow up a lot and a really yeah. cool battle. And I enjoyed watching the really cool battle and the stuff blowing up. Like, I'm... Yeah. That that was not intended as a dig. I really liked it, but I I genuinely don't know if he was trying to think of it as a character arc or just as a series of things that happened. I I mean, I'll start on the nostalgia and then get to the main point. Honestly, I think the single best mo- moment of the movie was a pure nostalgia fixing something, which is Chewie finally getting his damn medal. Um, that was. It was 100% fan service that had nothing to do with anything else in the movie. See, I found that frustrating because it was purely fan service that had nothing to do with anything. Like, Mm. I'm happy for Chewie. I'm not, like, I'm not angry that that moment happened. I just was like, okay, really? Sure. Yeah, I I wish there had been something more to set it up. Um, I think I was just grasping for things to enjoy at that point, so I grabbed onto it. Um, But but to... The so, points you got not to not to beat a single drum, but uh, where's R two D 2s medal? Yeah, that's that's also key. That's also and and C three PO has played an important part. Um, but no, but but backing up to the point that Jacob you're making and Becky your response, I I think Becky I'm kind of coming at it from where you are, because Jacob you're right. There's an interesting point to be made about how she rejects her family history, but and Becky I think this is kind of the point you were making. Um, to me I'm still stuck on the fact that it's still saying. How you use your force powers don't have to be determined by your family, but the fact that you have force powers is 100% determined by your family. And other than the people we meet in the prequels, who we have no idea what their parents are, and I think we, I, I think from the Clone Wars we learned that Obi Wan didn't have force using parents. We have no idea about anyone else. Every force user that we've now met in the uh, rest of the the Star Wars stories are all part of someone's family. Um, with the one exception of the little boy at the end of The Last Jedi, who we see using uh, the um, the Force for two seconds. Um, a storyline that I thought was such an interesting hook that Johnson left at the end of Last Jedi that Abrams completely ignored in this one. Um, but but it, I, I think almost because of that two seconds, it may, is part of why I was so frustrated to learn that Rey is a Palpatine or Palpatine because to me, part of what her finding out she's from nobody and that moment with a kid was just to set up is you don't have to have someone's blood to get um, uh, force powers. You know, this isn't midichlorians. It's none of that. It just finds the people who it finds. And and so, yeah, I think to, to kind of Becky's point, this going back to it is just still, you know, blood determines who gets the force – it, it it seemed very safe and it seemed very boring and it just seemed very against the spirit of what Last Jedi was setting up. 
Yeah, honestly, so I, as as I said, I haven't seen the prequels in a long time. I don't remember them. I didn't particularly enjoy them. But I do recall, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, Anakin was like a virgin birth of the Force. Yep. And so if that, is, if that is a thing that exists in canon, then honestly, I would have made Rey be the same thing. Like, Well, um, yep. it's not clear from the... The, the prequels strongly impl- imply that it is a Sith power to... That, that it wasn't like the Force made her pregnant, but that it's possible for a Sith Lord to do that. Um, oh, gross. Yeah. Um, the prequels did? Yeah. The, I, there, don't, there's, I don't remember that from those movies at all. There's a discussion where Palpatine uh, says that, you know, it, it, that, that someone... Uh, that, that it was once thought that um, a person could, um, using the Force alone, create new life. Um, and then that, that is a part point that is then expanded on the person who he mentions who could have possibly done this is Darth Plagueis. Um, and then in one of the novels, it's just, who is his master, right? It's established mm-hmm. that Darth Plagueis was Darth Sidious's not, um, Darth Sidious's mentor. And in that novel, it's established that, that Plagueis was very much attempting to create the being that will bring balance to the force by basically, yeah, virgin birthing someone. Which you're right, Becky. Also, inc- like Gross. the invasiveness of that has never been discussed in any way. Um, but yeah, but e- e- whatever it is, there should have been such an interesting way of talking about how Ray get Ray gets her power. That could be, you know, the Force choosing someone. It could be just her incredible will and the Force choosing her. Like, there's eight ways we could have done it that weren't her being a Palpatine. And yet, I feel as though the the fans who were and i don't know if this is true or not because i you know haven't actually scoured these corners of the internet because they all seem to have vanished um but the fans who were so upset at the last jedi i think that that was intended to in some way placate them because it was sort of rejecting some of the notions that people objected to i guess and making it all tie back to stuff we had before, because the, apparently the only way that you can make something in Star Wars that people actually like uh, is either you have to tie it to something that existed in the original three movies, or have a chibi baby cute Yoda. And if you have a chibi baby cute Yoda, you're good. <laughs> I haven't seen The Mandalorian yet, but I have seen so much Baby Yoda. <laughs> uh, so, I, and I'm in. I'm all in. That's fine. It's a good show. Um, I, I have a lot to say on that last point, but Becky, I want to let you jump in first if you want. Um. Yeah, no, I, I do think that was part of it. I think, so I think that it was both J.J. Um, Abrams really just revels in the nostalgia of the original trilogy um, I think he did in The Force Awakens, obviously, quite a bit. It was very much a retread, and I think that he does that a lot in this one, too. Um, and so, to me, yeah, the as well as things like sidelining Rose and ignoring all of the interesting questions that The Last Jedi asked and, like, just not being interested in any of the things that, that uh, Johnson was interested in. Um, and so I think between those two things, they were like, you know what'll be great? Palpatine! And that, to to me, it came across as nonsense. And I, I do think it was somewhere between nostalgia and trying to placate loudmouth fans, even though The Last Jedi did well. 
and was good Mm -hmm. um so yeah i I don't know which of those it was but it it was the palpatine it was what why what like again i was willing to go with it i enjoyed watching it. it was fun but the like that's what i meant by like missed opportunities is that i think there was a lot of other stuff they could have done with ray that would have made more sense and that would have been equally if not more satisfying but it would not have necessarily come with that nostalgic impulse or that placation of gross people yeah i'm i'm i i think and mm-hmm. i think overall that that probably sums up my biggest problem with the movie is it felt like I don't know if it's that he didn't watch Last Jedi or if Ryan Johnson said something about his mother. Um, but whatever it is, like, this seems so disconnected. And it, it's in ways that aren't just, oh, I'm being a fanboy and I want the connection. It's things like, I mean, to me, I I, I hope and I pray that this point had nothing to do with the fans. Because if not, it's it's truly outrageous. But even if it was totally accidental, I felt what happened to Rose was um, horribly uh, racist, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of the, um, you know, you have the first Asian-American character who has ever been a real person in the Star Wars universe. You have her play an important role. You have her play an important role in a character arc primarily with another person of color. Really interesting storyline. Also questioning a lot of traditional star wars ideas about you always blow things up that um her whole the 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 philosophy line that she she drops about um you that we we win the war not by uh blowing up the things we hate but by fighting to protect the things we love saving saving the things we love that plot line is completely dropped her storyline is completely dropped um and finn spends most of the movie with an attractive black woman who he's not quite flirting with, but it certainly seems like there's no sense of, oh, am I being disloyal to Rose in any way throughout? Like, they just that whole plot line was dropped. And getting back to my point is, and I, I, I will say this, but I'm also going to try and link to some writers. I've seen a number of Asian and Asian-American writers talking about this. That character meant so much to them. And then to have so many fanboys attack the actress to the point where the actress felt the need to go off social media because they were so angry that this woman of color played an important role in this movie. To have her then not play a role in this movie, even if it had nothing to do with the fanboys, strikes me as perhaps unintentional but still very racist. And if it was intentional, then that's a much bigger problem. Well, it is possible to charitably... Uh, market as intentional if it was meant to protect her from that again i mean with in that's only in my opinion okay if that was something she asked for right um and i don't know um but i do think like it it speaks to a broader this speaks to a broader criticism that i have with the movie in general uh which is to say that i do think it was overly safe um and in the only times where i got uh, frustrated with the movie were these safe moments uh and another one that we've got on the list is the the Raylo thing um oh there are multiple points of this where the the movie doesn't commit to doing something that would piss some number of fans off 
and that actually bothers me more than if they would commit to doing something that pisses me off specifically. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, yeah, so, so, so one thing, just going back to Rose for a second, that I had wanted to say is, like, honestly, again, my impression, and I don't know if it's true or accurate, but is that J.J. Abrams, like, was not interested in playing with what he saw as Ryan Johnson's toys. Um, and so mm. he just, like, he wasn't interested in those stories. He wasn't interested in anything that was set up. He wasn't interested in answering those questions. He didn't like what uh, Johnson had done about Ray Nobody. And it seems to me like that carried over to Rose Tico, who had not been in whatever his grand vision was, so he just ignored. And that's crappy like it's it's crappy and it's racist and it's not acceptable behavior and like again mm -hmm. i think that missed opportunities in terms of what rose could have done in the movie in terms of what rose and finn's relationship could have been or finn's and ray's relationship if they had actually gone there which was a dropped thread which was real weird but like mm -hmm. there there were so many different pieces that just never fell into place and characters who were in the movie or who were you know had cameos in the movie like rose but didn't actually do anything who could have done something or who could have contributed if they had taken more story risks and if they had put more thought into the story. Um, I, I do agree. It felt very yeah. safe. Um, and, and I will say there, I, I think the point about the drop, the not wanting to play with Johnson's toys is a really good one, especially because it, it made me make a connection that I hadn't made before, which is that in this regard, at least Abrams is also picking up one of his original toys that Johnson hadn't wanted to play with. Namely, Finn being a former star, a, for, a former um, uh, stormtrooper, and what does that mean? And I, I feel like him having Finn connect with another former star. Uh, why do I keep calling star? Another former stormtrooper was therefore potentially a very interesting direction to go. Um, it doesn't excuse cutting out Rose, but at least I see the the direction they want to go there. But then they didn't do anything with it, so that often makes it like. If you're going to cut that out because you want to go back to your original toy, then fine, but at, at least do something. Because that could have been another great story, but again, dropped because it wasn't safe. It was just a lampshade was hung on it, and then they moved on. Yeah, no, I I very much agree with that. I... Because like, honestly, I don't think that either Abrams or uh, Johnson really knew what to do with Finn. I think there's so much potential in exploring a character who, of his own volition, left the First Order. And I think Johnson did some interesting stuff with the whole uh, casino sequence and with Finn having a character arc where he goes from wanting to, like, from his main motivation being run away and get safe to his main motivation being protect what he loves and join the resistance for good reasons. But I don't think either one of them was actually interested in him that much as a character and what it would feel like to be a former child soldier breaking away from some serious brainwashing and anything that that might do for him emotionally or as a motivation. Like, it just seemed like they were like, oh, cool idea. And then did nothing with it, and then this movie continued that theme by introducing um, Jana Jara. I don't, I don't remember what her name was. Who was another stormtrooper and saying like there are like people who ran away who didn't want to be stormtroopers all over the galaxy. Anyway, bye. Like, <laughs> like again, missed but, opportunity. Yeah, it's a cool idea, and then they didn't. Yeah, they, it was a cool idea, and then they didn't do anything with it. 
Um, so many of these, it, it's a great point that, that, uh, I'm glad you, you raised where there's so many threads that they, they pull at it. They tantalize you with it. They're all like, Hey, wouldn't this be interesting? Now nah, you don't get that either. Well, and, it, uh, and um, like, it's, and, and go ahead. <laughs> we all, we all want to talk. It's great. <laughs> uh, go on. Uh, Becky, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even mind there being some introductions that don't necessarily go everywhere. Like, that's that's canon for, for fan fiction. Um, it kind of seems like maybe they were setting up a story for Janna, I'm going to call her, but that might be wrong. Um, with uh, Lando at the end when he, there, she says she doesn't know where she comes came from and he says, let's find out. Like, if they want to do that as a Disney mm-hmm. Plus series, I will be, like, over the moon. That would be amazing. So, like, I don't Watching mind it. those introductions, yeah. but there were so many of them that culminated in so little that it didn't feel like we we're trying to set up something like a, a Disney series. It felt like we forgot to edit this out. And that, Yeah. <laughs> more than anything and this is a point i want us to delve into a little later so we shouldn't go there quite yet but it made me realize how much it it made me really appreciate kevin feige because i i think we have gotten spoiled in the marvel cinematic universe to the idea that every story that there is someone who's going to be saying I am the person who's making all of the writers and all of the directors talk to each other. And I am the one who's going to remember the interesting thread from movie one and tell the writer of movie number three, don't forget to that this is where this character has to go. Because I think more than anything, and I think all three of us are kind of more on the blame Abrams side. I've certainly heard people make the blame Johnson side. But either way, it feels like the lack of cohesion no one ever got Abrams and Johnson in a room and said, here are the toys that we're giving you both that we're asking both of you to play with. Um, the fact that, as Becky, sa- as Becky said, that there is, is, in what should be one shared trilogy, the idea that two writers and directors can feel like some characters are a toy of one writer or the other, it, it, to me, I, I really have to start by blaming uh, Kathleen Kennedy or, or whoever at Disney could have done the Kevin Feige job and didn't. Um, and maybe we should go into that right now, or maybe we should hold on to it later. But I think that all the discussion we're having, it really gets to that point for me. Yeah, no, I think whether it's a Kevin Feige or whether it's, you know, when they handed the reins to Johnson for the first movie, they, they should have said, like, write a treatment for where this is going so that when we have somebody else come in and, you know, maybe tweak or change things in the second movie, like, we at least know what we're working towards. Because it, it felt like they were working towards different stories um and you know i would be really interested in seeing the ryan johnson trilogy i would be somewhat interested in seeing the jj abrams trilogy but they definitely were not the same trilogy and that i think is sort of the the heart of the problem with all this yeah i i don't know if he wants to or if he's allowed to but i would love if johnson ever either something he writes or just in an interview kind of explained what he th- what he, how he would have resolved the 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 story beats that he left unresolved from last jedi because i i really i really wanted to see i think at the end of the day i wanted to see johnson resolve those story beats or at least abrams talk to johnson about how to resolve them yeah i think that that's uh this is my cynic me putting my cynicism hat on i think that uh what probably what ended up happening was uh, Kathleen Kennedy and the Disney execs went, 
we have to have a movie that does these things in order to make sure that uh, we have no nobody blowing us up or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's the frustrating thing about uh, media in our modern time is that creators and we we've talked about this Matthew as a as a sort of its own topic a little bit creators are more exposed to uh criticisms from the people that consume their media than ever before and, it, and that continues to be more and more and more true um and that can be a net positive for when we call creators out on their bull right, right? um but it also has the effect of people um being terrible sometimes and that means that again the the safer movie is the one that's going to play the box office better so we're going to do that one um i don't like for example uh it's it's not nearly as offensive as what happened with rose and i don't want to make it sound like it is so please don't take get me the wrong way uh but i i did not like the fact that we wanted to tease almost every fan romantic pairing out there without committing to any of them uh i i did not appreciate that i think that that's dumb i mean and that like if you're not going to commit to any of them don't tease them that was one hell of a hug so i am utterly committed to the idea (laughs) that the movie ends with a polyamorous triad of poe finn and ray so i'm at least that hug was very good yeah (laughs) Of of thirsty Poe, uh, <laughs> thirsty Poe, Finn and Ray. He's so thirsty. Poe Dameron has never met a human so or thirsty. humanoid alien he has not wanted to make out with. Like, which is why, or possibly I, droid. I don't know. I don't understand why we didn't get screen time of Poe Dameron kneeling at the feet of the great flirtation master that is Lando Calrissian. Um, oh my gosh! Kneeling, yeah. at the, right? kneeling at the feet well, came off entirely because, wrong in the setting I mentioned. I was going to say, <laughs> just mean in a learning way, but still, like, put those. He would only be doing it in a kinky yeah. way, though, because he's extremely thirsty. <laughs> we could, but put those two together, they'd be yeah. so good. And I, you know, like Lando making eyes at him, being all like, you know, if I were thirty years younger, and Poe was all like, I don't mind. I was like, I'm sorry, did you never see me hit on General Organa? I will say, though, that (laughs) if we get the the Disney Plus spinoff show of Lando hanging out with the Stormtrooper woman, you need to establish in the first 30 seconds that Mm -hmm. he's her father or some other reason that we are clearly not developing a romance between those two. Um, That's the one thing I would say there. Oh, for sure. Um, But yeah, you're right. But the um, what was the point before the romantic pairings comment? Oh, just, uh, just going back to the, the Kathleen Kennedy, Kevin Feige part of it all. And it, it's funny, like, when I was a kid, you if a movie was successful, you made a second movie. And then if it was very successful, you made a third movie that was kind of capping it all off, but there was no intention of it all being, like, a self-contained trilogy. You know, Last Crusade uh, wasn't written to be... When they wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, they didn't already know what the the Last Crusade was going to be. So this is a fairly new phenomenon, I realize. But in in today's world, it does seem like, you know, when when the woman I, I forget her name, but when she wrote the the first Hunger Games movie, she knew how she knew how the third book was going to end, and certainly that was true about the the making of the movies. And when uh, the Wachowski sisters made the first Matrix movie. You know, they've, they've been very clear that, like, they weren't sure if they were going to get to make the second two, but they already knew where the story was going to go. And certainly that's been true with all the Marvel movies. Uh, it's been true with a lot of movie trilogies today. 
I think the fact that when they made Force Awakens, no one had already sat down and sort of storyboarded out where this trilogy was going to end up. Um, I, I think that just it it just made the whole thing suffer. And it's, I hope, kind of a lesson learned of please don't do this again. You know, if you're going to make a trilogy, especially with a beloved, you know, story like this, get a Kevin Feige. Get someone who can have the overall picture in his head because um, – the fact that we can sit here talking about like Abrams and Johnson not connecting, it just part of me is just like, really? It, it, it it's so it would be that hard just to put the two of them in a room and make them sit down and talk to each other. Um, I I don't. Maybe they don't like each other. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand it. Maybe Disney's gonna get a new sitcom. Uh, that's Abrams and Johnson having to collaborate on something, and it's <laughs> gonna be the odd couple, but with writers. Um, do we want to talk about one last? Um, I think we've covered a lot of the um, what were the things we were concerned about uh, going into this and how do they resolve. But there's two more that I want us to really make sure we cover. Um, the first is how did you get – like we talked a lot about how a central story in The Last Jedi was the Jedi themselves. And Luke really wrestling with do the Jedi need to continue? Do they need to be destroyed? Do they need to be reborn in some new form? Uh, and we talked about all sorts of ideas about what could happen. Um, what was your take on what the story did with that? Did the story do something with that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I, so look, Rey was, Rey was the last Jedi, and she died. So the last Jedi died, and the Jedi are no more. Done. Easy. Simple. But Rey didn't die. I mean, she did, she did. but she, she, she came back. Yeah. Okay, yeah. She, she got better. Okay, yeah, but fair. <laughs> she got better. Yeah. <laughs> I love that part. But no, no, she did. She, she, she died a Jedi, and then when she, when she was resurrected by magic, right? Uh-huh. Um, she's a Skywalker now, I guess. Yeah, that or was something. It's whatever. Well, and I, and that... <laughs> Go ahead. Becky. I was going to say, that was one note that I, I had had earlier in our uh, outline that I didn't get a chance to mention, is that it feels like they titled the movie The Rise of Skywalker, and they didn't actually have a thing that they meant by that, and so they then inserted mm-hmm. that last scene. Like, we were talking about, like, is it about Anakin? Is it, you know, going to be Ben coming into his own and, and trying to redeem himself? Is it going to be a new sect? And it was like, no, nah, it's not really anything. Well, The end. And, and there I do wonder how much... And I'm not saying this is an excuse, because you can always change things after events happen. But I do wonder how much the Rise of Skywalker uh, title and the and the original story idea was created when they thought Carrie Fisher would still be a part of this. Um, and Becky, I think it's you who mentioned mm. in one of your uh, tweets about or comments about the movie that the scene of Han Solo kind of like talking his son back from the edge that you thought originally was supposed to be um, uh, Leia Organa doing that. And I, I am one hundred percent sure. Yeah, and I I think. Yeah. Definitely. I do wonder if, it, and especially if there's sort of a, a throwaway comment about how Luke and Leia were a dyad, or maybe I read this somewhere that Luke and Leia were supposed to be a dyad in the same way that Kylo and, and Rey were a dyad, even though the whole dyad thing makes no sense whatsoever. But moving along, um, I, I wonder if 
uh, Leia, and especially Leia as a Force-connected person, was supposed to be a much bigger part of this movie. And that in some ways it's the rise of the Skywalker family because it is Leia kind of taking up Luke's mantle in a very different way, but then Leia force projecting to bring Kylo Ren back to being Ben Solo, Ben Skywalker Solo, or however you want to do it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I don't think it justifies it because it, it, I think um, you could have changed it, but, but Becky or, or, or uh, Jacob, do you think, would that make any sense in terms of why it was originally named Rise of Skywalker and they just didn't change it enough? Um, so, so yeah, I, that does make sense, but honestly, I also think they wanted it to fit with the, um, return, revenge, and now rise, like, that those, those three things sound good together, so let's just use them more than anything else. (laughs) But again, I have no insider knowledge. All of the second movies started with the, right? So all the, and all the third movies have something with an R, uh, and it's really just the, the first movies that are not connected yeah. in any meaningful way. <laughs> oh God, I hope it's not because of a name thing like that. But you're right. Um, yeah, I, I, I. This was another part of the movie I think that bothered me the most because as as anyone who's listened to me talk about almost anything, but especially on our last uh, episode, I really loved the whole story of the rejection of the Jedi and the attempt to rebuild the Jedi in a new way. And so for Rey to just sort of become uber Jedi at the end of the movie in order to defeat uber Sith Lord. It, it just seemed like that was again, mm. not even Abram saying your toy. I don't want to play with your toy, but, but him kind of saying, no, no, that story is too complicated. Jedi good, Sith bad, pew, pew, fun movie. Um, and I, I think that's there again. It felt very safe. And I was really incredibly disappointed because there is such an interesting story to be told about the role that the Jedi play in the rise of the Sith. And all the things in 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 that that Luke calls out that are callbacks to the earlier movies, um, and so I guess I was just, I, it just seemed like that that especially was where it most felt like he was saying, "Eh, Last Jedi, it didn't happen." Yeah, agree. Um, I am not as immersed in in sort of the mythology, and so if you had asked me, like you know, what's a Jedi, I would not have thought specifically even of it as like, oh, it's a a sect. I would have thought it's like any Force user who's not evil, and then a Sith is any Force user who is evil, which is not the case. But it, like, for me it was less disappointing because I think I was less invested, but it definitely, like, they asked interesting questions in The Last Jedi and completely failed to, not even to answer them, but to acknowledge that they were asked in this movie, and that is a disappointment for me. Yep. Uh, I again, I just don't think that they had the. I don't think they had the stones to make that movie. Uh, I'm I'm gonna just say that. Uh, I would have loved to see that one. I'm not upset at the movie that we got. Yeah. Um. I also agree though that I would have liked to see that movie and that culmination because I thought that there were a lot of plot threads from the Last Jedi that uh, were very interesting that I would like to have seen uh, more attention paid to. And then the the interesting threads from this movie, like hey, we we brought up that uh, Finn's a child soldier, and then didn't do anything with that. We didn't even we did not even pay attention to our own interesting plot threads. Yeah. So I guess that's just not Abrams' thing. I, I, tying it back to the beginning of our discussion together, um, there is one way in which 
Ray's journey kind of makes sense to me, and it's only if I hen cannon like crazy. Um, and Jacob, I, I wasn't sure if this is one of the things you were referring to when you talked about having to kind of head cannon at the end. Um, but, and this is what I was referring to before about the spoiler about the end of the movie. Um, it is very brief and it is completely unexplained, but, um, Ray buries the sky, the, um, the lightsabers of who has come before. And then she lights her own lightsaber and it's a kind of yellowish color. And... I don't know much about the Grey Jedi from uh, the fiction, but my understanding is that the Grey Jedi often have a yellowish lightsaber. Um, and certainly I do know that the parts of the Extended Universe books that I have read uh, about the Sith were referenced quite heavily in this movie. Um, the whole idea of the... Um, I think they changed the names yep. enough so that they're not going to get sued since they've uh, you know, or not, they won't get sued, but they're, they've cut off all connection to that officially. But things like the, the Sith Wayfinders, um, there's devices like that that yep. look very much like that in some of the um, Sith books. Holocrons. Holocrons. Yeah, yeah, you've read those books too. Mm -hmm. So, so yep. given that, it makes yep. me think that someone in the writer's room was aware of some of that um, information. And thus, I, I, I felt like, but again, you're right, it's being safe. Her having, uh, they, they were, you know, I'll, I'll, to bend a phrase, they were great Jedi baiting, because they're basically doing just enough for the fans who yep. care to say, no, look, uh, Ray is starting something new. She is becoming a uh, not a Jedi. She's becoming a great Jedi, um, but never acknowledging it. Especially because throughout the movie, she makes a number of other choices and that are very much not Jedi. I mean, she's constantly giving into her anger as part of using the Force. She she clearly developed some kind of romantic feelings for Ray, uh, for um Kylo, which you know we'd always been told was you know verboten for the Jedi. So I, it, it feels like he wanted to plant enough seeds of she is rejecting the Jedi and starting something new, but to never actually acknowledge it to so that it would never bother the people who'd be bothered by it. And I again I don't know if that's so, all headcanon or if that's what was happening. I, I will say this um. I thought I was headcanoning that too. And like, I didn't want it as much as I felt like you wanted it. Uh, because I was also okay with, uh, us not learning that the Jedi are actually bad as well, uh, in the saga. But, um, I have spoken with people that don't run in the same circles as we do and don't, weren't throwing around that speculation going into the movie who came out with the interpretation who were aware of of gray jedi and and that whole thing and did come out with that in interpretation that oh okay she's neither she's neither jedi nor sith this is this is the end this is where her journey has taken her and she's going to establish a new order um because the 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 one thing they did anvil at us was first order final order uh, which is a play, uh, I think, on the Jedi Order, which is what the EU called Luke's new establishment that clearly didn't work in this version of the canon. And so the, there, there's a lot, but basically there's a lot there for you to pick up and find on your own that, oh, so Rey is not going to be uh, a Sith like the Palpatines, but she's also not going to be a Jedi like Luke was. Um I do really wish that they had shown us that that lightsaber was double-bladed because there's no way that it isn't. And I feel like if you're going to give me fan service, you should really <laughs> do that and not, like, half-arse it. Like, come on. It's clearly... 
look at the look at the size of the handle. It's a double bladed lightsaber. She's been using a staff this whole time because she's more comfortable with it. I'm sorry. That's a that's such a small minor quibble compared to everything else, but it, for whatever reason it really bothers me. Um I will I will also say like again as somebody who is not as um familiar with the extended universe and and even some of the um outlying stuff within this one um in, so in our last conversation, we were sort of joking about whether to be a Sith, you need anything other than a red lightsaber and a stern expression. Right. Um, but I do think that the reason <laughs> people who are, are not as into, like, the Star Wars extended mythos still got that impression is because they have been very strongly visually coded throughout all of the movies we've seen with blue or green good, red bad, and so having a yellow lightsaber, which as and far as I remember, yeah. Like we haven't we haven't seen that before, so it does actually send a pretty clear visual message of like this is something different and something new. So again, I don't I don't think the movie was that interested in telling a story about the Jedi or dismantling the Jedi Order or whatever as like Johnson's movie might have been. But I I do think that like that yellow lightsaber is intentional. It's one that she clearly made herself, which is important for the jedi that there's a whole ceremony behind it because you have to making your own lightsaber is how you uh, prove that you're ready to be a jedi knight um but it's also important in in establishing that you your training is complete um and that is true of every order in in star wars fiction right and so her burying the ancestral one and, and having her own if she is going to go on to do something new means that she's she's got she's gotten to the point where she's now off to learn from you know the universe or whatever like it's there's a lot that you could read into that there and i choose to because it makes the story more satisfying <laughs> and, and, and even any uh, let me start that again and even not going that far, because um, certainly in the movie universe, you know, Luke Luke never had any of that ceremony or anything like that. Um, but I, but to go back to the idea of Carrie Fisher, I wonder if, and maybe here again, I'm giving Abrams too much credit. You know, they they briefly say that um, and show a little bit that Ray is training under Leia, um, and I could see there being a really interesting scene of. You know, Ray kind of saying like, "Well, what am I? What am I doing? Am I being a true Jedi?" And Leia kind of shrugging and being like, "I don't know. I was never a Jedi. Just use the Force." Um, you know, something as simple as that that could have very easily like helped one to establish this idea of Ray finding her own power. Um, but then again, that doesn't fit with every Jedi speaking through her for all time. Um, which at the, at the very well, end, well, <laughs> that like the culminate. Yeah, but but that was like their their great enemy for many generations or whatever. If you wanna if you wanna deal with like, there was a reason for all the Force ghosts to be there and be interested in that event. That weren't that doesn't necessarily mean that Rey herself was a Jedi that was channeling them. Yep. Like, whatever. That scene was really weird. <laughs> And they, I guess they needed some way to finish that. So. I, I, I will say it contained one uh, pure fan service shout out moment that I really appreciated, which is neither mm. of you have ever seen the Clone Wars, right? 
Right. Um, in the Clone Wars, I have you're introduced to a character who is uh, Anakin's Padawan learner, uh, uh, a, a Jedi uh, named Ahsoka. Um, and her voice is one of the ones that speaks to Rey in that moment where all the Jedi speak to her. So nice little fan service moment there. But again, oh, that's a cool. scene. Um, l- let me ask about kind of what's been the big thing. I, that I, I, the moment I saw the two of them kiss on screen. Uh, the the Kylo and, and Ray obviously. My first thought was, oh God, why? My second thought was, I can't wait to hear what Becky says about this. Um, especially because you don't have the reaction I thought you would. So Becky, have the floor. Okay, so um, so I am anti Raylo still. It's just I, I, gross to me personally. Um, but so so. When my sister and I were talking about this, one thing that she said that I think summed up really well sort of what my biggest fear was, was that she was afraid that this movie was going to become Kylo Ren's story, and it would be his redemption story, and that Rey would play into that, and their relationship would play into that, but that basically he would take over the narrative. Um, and that's, that is honestly really what I was afraid of, yeah. and that is not what happened. Um, and so because of that... Because my my expectations were so low that having the moment, I actually didn't hate it. I also didn't hate it because it it felt very clear to me he was about to die. Like yeah. I was like, okay, they're they're doing this because he is gonna vanish and that'll be the end of him. And so I was okay with it because it didn't mean that they were gonna claim he was good now or whatever or have him show up at the big hugging celebration at the end and have everybody be like we forgive you because that would not have been okay because he was a genocidal maniac for the first two and a half movies um so they avoided the things that i was worried about the most um and i think so the other the two the two things that that went into this for me um the Ray and Kylo Ren stuff, I think, was the strongest part of this movie. Um, and I think that that actually, it was one of the few things that they took from The Last Jedi and made work, was that the two of them having a connection and being really intrigued by each other and both wanting each other and rejecting each other, going in both directions. Uh-huh. Um, and that they had done a lot of setup work in this one with like them connecting and like the the beads being pulled through those connections and him being able to like figure out where she was when she crashed into something and he recognized it like they had they had spent enough time with those two characters interacting that when that culminating moment came oh and and ray being a healer and having healed him earlier and that having been a big moment for like who defining who she was and changing who he was. Right. Um, so enough had gone into that that I didn't hate having that as the culmination of it. And um, it they did not make it Kylo Ren's story. If anything, this movie actually downgraded him a step because The Last Jedi, he, he was a huge presence in and a major character in. And in this one, he was also another character running around doing stuff. And he had clearer things to do in a clearer arc than Finn or Poe, but he was not as much a protagonist in it as he had been in The Last Jedi. Um, and so... So so basically with all of those things pulled together, and, and I will say, I think Adam Driver did a phenomenal job in this movie. I think he, like, his acting was extremely good, um, and the way they let, the, the, 
the differences that he gave in the physicality between being Kylo Ren and being Ben Solo also changed the character mm. enough for me yeah. so that when that moment happened i wasn't like yay they're kissing because i still think it's gross and i didn't want that but i wasn't mad about it i didn't feel like it undermined ray's character or ray's story i didn't feel like they were saying he's perfect and redeemed now and everything is great forget that he slaughtered five entire planets and his you know murdered his father and all that um so so i felt like it was the best way they could end that um in in terms of like him then dying, I again I didn't need the kiss, but having him use return the healing for her and die, it, it was fine. It worked. Like I I don't ship it, but uh, shockingly I am not mad about it because I was prepared <laughs> to be outraged. As sort of a follow up, I also enjoy that she's not really all that fussed with him dying, like. Yeah. It happens and then she appears to be fine and moves on because it, it felt like a, yep, that's that's how this had to go. Uh, and in that way, for me, I guess, the, the, the thing, I guess it bothered me because if you're going to have a connection like that between two characters and be explicit, it does feel very cheap to not deal with any of the problems by immediately having the other character die. Does that does that make sense? Am I coming out of left field with that one? No, that that makes total sense and I it is it is cheap. It, it is how you avoid having to tell a really difficult story about atonement right. and like I I don't know how I would tell that story as a writer that it like how do you atone for being a genocidal maniac? Like I don't think you can. And so it it is a much easier ending, and I think there could be a lot of really interesting story to tell uh, if he had lived, but I am not at all surprised that they did this ending, and frankly, as a writer, like, it's what I would have done as well. It's because right. you, you need the story to end, and that atonement would have to be a beginning, and it would have to be a story about him to tell that, so I don't think that would have fit within the story right. of the movie. Yeah, especially because... Uh, um... Sure. One, if nothing else, you know, had Leia lived to that point, the story of what happens when the leader of the, the new government both says, I am so, so glad that we've rescued my son from the evil that he was, and now my government has to put him on trial for destroying five planets. I mean, the, like, the, 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 com the conflict there is so intense. Um, I, I agree. I think I agree with both of you that, like, I feel like this was – once they set up the – once they set up this moment of, you know, pseudo atonement, to have him die is the only uh, uh, acceptable way for that story to end. But so it makes me kind of wish they hadn't told that story to begin with, um, because I feel like that you did have the moment where he could have turned, and it was um, in the second movie when him and and, and Ray fight fight back to back. Um, the one thing I'll say, though, and, and this is um, Becky kind of adding to the list of stuff you were saying about what makes it okay. I I was more bothered by that, but again, not in a, like, angry way. I think by then I was just sort of like, sure, of course, that's what you did because you're a lazy writer, Abrams. Because um, it, it did, again, just feel like, oh, these a man and a woman are having intense emotional connections to each other so that they must want to smooch. Um, I, I was frustrated by that. But... I did like the fact that the prime thing that 
that changes uh, Kylo and helps move Kylo back to Ben is not his connection with Rey. It's his connection with first his uncle and then his parents. Um, and and I think and, – and Becky, tell me if you feel the same way. Like I would have been, I think, a lot more bothered if they had really made the story that Rey is spending the whole time trying to turn him back. But the fact that Leia literally gives her life and that somehow Han comes back as well, which I think – I'm just going to head candidate that it's supposed to be Leia doing all of it. But that it's it's Leia and Han who really bring him back to being Ben, not uh, Rey. It also, I think, makes his story it, – it, it makes me feel like his can be an interesting side plot without feeling like Rey has to be a, uh, a plot device for his story. Does that does that track to what you were saying? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, if anything, Ray, her character is the one that get where she is defining herself through her actions towards him, um, because she does kill him, and then realize, oh shit, I killed him, and heal him. Right. And that is a, a really cool moment of her deciding what kind of person she wants to be. Um, but yeah, I I feel like so the. The Leia thing was weird. Like, I I loved it. I actually, I liked that we had seen Leia do training and deciding not to do that. I mean, the CGI of that was, was bad, but... Yeah. Um, I... But that part I liked, but then, so... And this is one of those things where it just didn't track from movie to movie. Um, Leia had, in by the end of The Last Jedi, resigned herself to the fact that they were going to have to kill Kylo Ren. Um, like, because Luke says, you know, that's what we got to do. And she's like, yep, I know. And then in this one, halfway through, she's like, okay, I, I'll use the rest of my strength to try and reach him. And then she does. And then he has that moment with Han, which was very clearly supposed to be with Leia. And it just, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. those two things don't, don't track. And so I wish there had been more build up to Leia making that decision. And I wish that, um... I wish there had been more drama to it because she says Ben and he hears her and then she dies. And that kind of felt like Leia going out on a whimper. But I also, I don't entirely blame Abrams from that because I do think a lot of that was him being stuck because Carrie Fisher had passed away. So that, like that that's my, my Leia side tangent. But yeah, I, I think generally what you were saying about the Kylo Ren stuff is, is also how I feel. I... Don't don't ship it. I don't like the pairing. I think she can do better. I think she should, you know, smooch Finn and also Poe. Uh, and then that's that. That's that. Oh, sorry. And then the other thing, actually, in our last episode when we talked about this, Jacob totally correctly predicted that Leia would be the one who would reach out to Kylo Ren and turn him back. So applause, hats off oh, for yeah. that. Good on that. Oh, um, I don't like i was hoping we weren't going to actually bring that up because i don't really want to brag about it (laughs) i thought it was a really cool idea and that's the only reason i said it um i was when when i saw it happen i was shocked that something like that that we actually got something like that (laughs) um and I, i agree that a lot of the power of it got got sucked out by carrie fisher not being around but i am glad that they went with it anyway uh, because it's so important, it was important enough to tell that story, to have that be the narrative, that they worked around uh, the actress not being around for it. 
um, and still gave us that story. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. I enjoyed how big of how important Leia was to the story in general. Um, I did not predict. None of us predicted that. Oh, by the way, she like also made a lightsaber and was going <laughs> to be a Jedi. Um, yeah, that was wild. Uh, and then her, I think that that scene uh, with her younger uh, at the end of her training that when um it's Luke's Force Ghost talking yeah. about it. Um, I think that was actually her daughter who's uh in the movie as has been in the movies as well um god why can i not remember that actress's name i see her in american horror story all the time uh i had it on the tip of my tongue earlier in the episode but yeah i it, because if you look it it looks more like her daughter than it looks like her but if you're going to try to make a uh, a younger looking leia that's not completely unreasonable i guess yeah lord fisher so I'm sorry, Bill, Billy, he, uh, no, Billy Lord, Billy, Billy Lord. Lord, Billy Lord. But yeah, yep. no, yeah, Billy. And Lord. I, I will Thank also you. say one more thing on the kiss, um, because this is what I do. And I'm, I'm an obsessive maniac. I went home um, mostly because you two had been very rude and hadn't seen the movie the moment I had seen it. Um, so I couldn't talk to you yet. Um, you have work and lives and things that I don't understand. Um, but uh, I went on Twitter to try and uh, figure out everything I could about the movie. And I, I, I took a little solace in the fact that the hardcore uh, Raylo shippers, uh, the, the people who are really interested in Kylo and Ray getting together, not I, I, I mean, not all of them, certainly the ones who I know personally loved it, but the people who are very hardcore about it online, they all hated this because they all, <laughs> they all said – you know, mm-hmm. that poor, abused child, Ben Solo, how dare they give him only one kiss and then kill him? You know, why didn't they let uh, the two of them be the heroes <laughs> of the movie and ride off into the romantic sunset? Um, and I'm not, I, I saw like Barf. hundreds of tweets on this subject, uh, many of them talking about Good. the abused child. Um, so if nothing else, I find it very fitting that A, it makes me like the kiss a little bit more that it wasn't the kiss that the hardcore shippers wanted. Um, and B, it also, I have a little bit of schadenfreude that Abrams and Disney may have tried to sort of be like, well, we'll give them the kiss, but we also won't give them a full redemption so that people don't get mad at us for redeeming him. And thus wound up just pissing off everybody. Um, so that's kind of beautiful. Yep. Yes. Um, if I if I could interject with one additional moment of extremely petty Schadenfreude. Go for it. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know how how well you all know the like the fan fiction side of the fandom. Um, I am I am not particularly enmeshed in it, but I do know that the biggest ship on AO3 is Kylo Ren and Hux because <laughs> fandom yeah. loves loves white dudes. Yep. Just just loves them. Uh, and the fact that Hux got to an extremely petty, pointless death, just, I was so happy. Yep. Like, sorry, we don't, mm-hmm. we, do, we don't need to, to redeem the space Nazi. We don't need to pretend he was anything other than a nope. shitty, terrible person. Uh, and I was really, really, really happy that he died. And I am happy that those fans are sad. <laughs> Yeah. And that is my pettiest opinion. <laughs> so when we found out that there was a mole in the First Order, I was really interested. I was like, okay, are you going to give us a story about someone who 
is concerned about Kylo being so insecure and might want to turn his back or thinks the whole planet killer thing was too much. Like, I'm not going to believe this person is a hero, but there could be an interesting story here, especially because we had just introduced this new character, uh, the person who winds up taking over when Hawks uh, is killed, um, whose name is utterly forgettable, middle-aged white guy in a uniform. Um, so when we found out that Hux was the, the, the traitor himself and he helps our heroes break out, I had a moment, that was probably the moment I was most concerned during this movie because literally what was in my head was I'm going to hate it, but I will swallow the redemption of Kylo Ren. But if you tell me that Hux helps our heroes and becomes their plucky sidekick who helps them throughout the rest of the movie and is somehow redeemed, I'm I'm walking out. I will not stay for that movie. And so the fact that they were like, yeah, you helped us out of self-interest. Good. Okay. And then five minutes later, he's shot, as you said, in a totally ignominious way. I was like, okay, thank God. Because <laughs> I, yep. I, I did yep. not want to see the movie that involved the, redu- the, the, the atonement of Hawks. Yeah, same. Um, Anyway, that was that was my my petty interjection. Uh, we can we can get back to. I guess we were discussing Kylo Ren. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we we were discussing we were discussing Raylo, uh, which I think we're mostly done with. I mean, I I am also not like really into the ship, but it doesn't matter because they can't be together. So, and Ray doesn't seem super fussed about it. Sorry, fan people. Uh, Ray's not fussed. Well, let's. Ray's got other things let's, to do. Let's maybe, as kind of some of our closing things, just talk about uh, those two character arcs. Um, Ray first. What do you, I think we've alluded to it a lot, but um, Becky, especially as sort of um, I think self-declared Ray fangirl number one. What what was your ta- <laughs> what was your take on uh? Because you said last time the biggest thing you were concerned about is what would they do with Ray, and it sounds like you were very happy with Ray's story arc here. I I was um like literally the only thing they could have done to make me love her more was was make her a healer and hey look at that um like I just I loved that she I love that she got to be dark and angry um that dark side fake out was a fake out which I think we we did all expect um but mm. I I love that she got to be angry. I applauded when she used the force lightning until they were like, Chewie's dead. And then it was like, did you just make me applaud Chewie's death? Oh, no, just kidding. Okay, it's fine. I, I still applaud that. Good job. Um, I, I loved that she was so overwhelmingly powerful. I loved that she was compassionate. She was a friend to broken droids and, and snakes. Like, she was like, no, no, I, I will help everyone. I, I want to fix things. Mm-hmm. Um... I loved that she was willing to say to Leia, I want your blessing, but I don't need it because I know what's right. Um, I loved that she decided to heal Kylo Ren. I And I loved that she got to be the big damn hero. Like, she, she... And, like, even though I felt like that last minute with her claiming the name Skywalker was completely unearned, like, the, the combination of visuals and music, I was like, this is so manipulative and I'm crying. Um... So yeah, and like that's that's why I left the movie satisfied is because I felt like they they did right by Ray and that was the most important thing to me and I love her so much and I continue to love her so much and so I was I I didn't think it was flawless but I I thought that what was there was good enough to make me happy. I think the biggest success in Rise of Skywalker is Ray's arc. 
Yeah. Uh, because that's the one thing that I feel like I am completely satisfied with up to the Ray who uh, Ray Skywalker. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess, but you don't need it. You could have said Ray Palpatine and it doesn't matter because you have your own brand and you're your own person, but okay. Yeah. I... Yeah. No, as I, as I said, it was, it was unearned. It, it was manipulative nonsense mm-hmm. that, that I think only happened again because they had decided on the title before the story. Um, but the the manipulation worked on me. I'm, I'm easy. Yeah, I, 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 it, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up the point about um her using force lightning and destroying the ship and and thinking she killed Chewie. Um, I had 100% forgotten about that by the time that I walked out of the movie, which I think is okay because it seemed like J.J. Abrams had forgotten about it by the time he finished <laughs> the movie. Um, because again, that I thought could have. I would have loved to see a movie where she's really wrestling with, is she going to turn to the dark side? Because, like we said, throughout the movie, she's doing a lot of things that the Jedi are not okay with. Um, and that using Force Lightning is such a good example of that. And so anyway, you, you mentioned that. And I just wanted to say again, that was a moment I was very disappointed by. But you're right. Overall, I loved her story arc. Um, uh, I, I thought the actress is is phenomenal, and I, I hope she gets to keep doing great things. Um and it's frustrated, even though I was frustrated with, I was frustrated with the kiss, and I was frustrated with her being the embodiment of all Jedi. It was still a great story to watch, and it, um, I feel like when I first heard that Force Awakens was going to have as a star a woman Jedi, I remember both thinking like, "Thank God, it's finally happening. We needed this," but also being very trepidatious about how Hollywood would handle that because it could have been done so badly. And I, I do think at the end of this movie, I was like, okay, we have finished the story of Ray, and Hollywood didn't fuck it up. And for that alone, I am, I am. Yeah, they could have done better, but honestly, it's better than I thought it was going to be because I'm a cynic. Uh, at the end of the day, um, I, I will say I, I am bummed that the the first movie's thing with her and Finn was never went anywhere or was resolved um that was something that i did ship and i did like um but it was what it was um that didn't take away from how much i liked her it just made me frustrated again that they didn't know what to do with him it's again why i'm shipping that poly triad so much at the end because they also um did nothing with the finn and poe of it all um which i i'm glad to see at least that the the actor who played poe dameron (laughs) is now on record saying he pushed for it to officially be a romance between him and Finn uh, and that the Disney shut him down. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right. They're, they're, Finn, they were hinting him uh, in the second movie more with Poe, but in the first movie they were really playing the strong connection he had with Ray and Ray had with him, and they just dropped it entirely. Yeah. And I, I do think that's something we should – like that's something to challenge Disney on because – they're willing to show us uh, background characters who have a homosexual relationship, but not characters with names and stories. And that's which can we say incredibly that, homophobic? That, like they're, yeah, that it, it, it treats them like they're not people, right? That's so bad. The lesbian kiss felt incredibly tokenizing to me, especially in their. Uh, um, yep. A because of just like um, 
that they were two characters we never knew anything about, and that it was instead of Poe and Finn. I mean, it just... Uh, Becky, I'm curious what your thoughts on that. Was that a the great moment of the first gay kiss in Star Wars, or was that perhaps not the most positive moment? Not to um, I mean, the I question. don't, I don't... <laughs> I don't think it was... So it was a negative moment because of the context it was in. It was a negative moment because it was clearly a, like, if we let these lesbians kiss, will everybody please shut up about how we don't have any actual characters who are gay? Um, In the same way that, like, that one scene in Endgame was, where it's like, no, you need actual gay characters. We are Mm -hmm. not happy. We don't, like, this is is not it. You're not doing it. So because of that... It was frustrating and tokenizing. As a concept, I am 100% thumbs up more ladies kissing in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm glad yeah, it was yeah, there. Yeah. I'm just yeah. angry that it was there as a shitty attempt to placate actual queer people. Like, no, that, that was not okay. Yeah, that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, exactly. let's turn then to, uh, to, um, to Kylo or Ben Solo, putting aside... The, the kiss part, we've sort of gone into it, but maybe just to talk a little more explicitly. What For both of you, what was your take on his arc? Um, and how it, like, the, the pseudo-redemption, but not really, of it all. And where, where can Kylo becoming Ben Solo, and it was explicitly naming that. What, what was your take on it? Um, it, it was fine. So I think, so it, like I said earlier, I think that it really got sidelined, and I'm okay with that for a variety of reasons. Um. I think you could, like, they could have gone way more in-depth and brought a lot more to it, but I do think that would have required it to be a movie about Kylo Ren, which is not the movie I was interested in seeing in. So I am okay with the way it didn't really do much. Um, And again, I do think Adam Driver's uh, performance was phenomenal because you, you know that those were two different characters just by the way he carried himself. Um... So yeah, I, I wish that it had felt more, like, I wish his change had felt more motivated beyond my mother called out to me and then I had a, a dream about my father who I murdered, but like, right. that that's one where I was like, you know what, it was what it was, I am I am okay with what they did with it, I, I don't think it could have been done much better within the context of this movie, and so I, I'm fine with how they did it. Yeah, I... I... I think it would be hard to give more uh, gravitas to and more story to that turn without making the story about Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren rather than about Rey. Uh, and therefore, I am okay with the shortcuts and cheats that they used. Right. Um, Adam Driver gets my award for uh, best actor in this movie for being able to best uh, male actor in this movie that is uh, Ray takes everything uh, but uh, being able to portray both Ben Solo and Kylo Ren as two different types of emo was very <laughs> good and I don't know how he did it but it was very good um, and it, it it did like they felt like two distinctly different characters um, in exactly as you said Becky I, I loved the whole like the whole thing where uh, Ray has to bring both lightsabers. It's so obvious in that moment that, of course, it's because Ben is going to end up using Anakin's lightsaber because that's his heritage or whatever. And like the, it was cool. 
Uh, I also like how the the because going into this, it's sort of related to to Ray's or to Ray's to to Kylo Ren's Ben Solo's storyline. Uh, how people were all like, who in the world are the Knights of Ren? And the Knights of Ren are apparently just mooks who show up multiple places to mug for a bit and then get <laughs> murdered at the end of the movie by Ben Solo. I, I was remembering <laughs> that, you'd, that's you'd them, ask that folks. question of who are the Knights, and we saw the Knights, but we still learned nothing about them. <laughs> they are the Knights who say Ren! <laughs> uh, I, I, and I had a similar, like, in a lot of ways, I think you're right, I didn't want more uh ben or kylo time but it did also remind me of and here again maybe this is more on johnson for not pulling things along or on abrams there are so many interesting questions about kylo ren and who he is and how he is um that are never explored um you know one of the things that johnson set up is this three-way telling of the story of what happened um you know, when when Luke was trying to train um, uh, Ben Ben and the others. I, I'm still incredibly curious what happened there. And I, I would have loved to see a little bit more of that. Um, maybe we'll see that in some other story. I'm not sure. Um, but it, And if nothing else, and this is related to me to the, 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 the joke about the Knights of Wren, but why is he a Wren and not a Darth? Um, that, I think part of what so surprised me about Palpatine being back is... Palpatine, some of the things Palpatine said was implied that the First Order was always Sith once again. It was still Sith. Um, which I had always gotten the idea that Snoke and Kylo Ren, by not using the Darth names, were breaking away from that. Um, so yeah, anyway, to me, that was all just a big frustration, but I did feel that I, I didn't know how they were possibly going to redeem him, and when they did the idea of he basically dies... And then as reborn as Ben, it, it felt to me almost very much like kind of some of uh, Buffy's death moments uh, in in her show. Um, but it's kind of a, a death and a rebirth as a time to start again and to try something new. Um, uh, yeah, that it 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 still wasn't what I wanted. I think the chance to redeem him came in movie two, and I, I I'm not really so ready to believe it for this one. But I I. They sold it enough with Adam Driver's acting that I was willing to go there. I'm willing to head candidate that it's Leia who talked to him, not Han. Um, and frankly, the the scene of them passing lightsabers back and forth in the middle of the battle was so damn cool that I'm kind of willing to accept it because mm-hmm. that was just a phenomenal oh. fight scene. Um, yeah, no, that's... J.J. Abrams has some things he's good at, and that really is one of them. Right. And again, it's, you know, a concept with no basis in the force that we've had before to any extent whatsoever, but it looked cool. Like, and it, I think it's the best thing you can say about this movie but, in, in all ways. Yeah, I don't care. It's like the yeah, it's like the light speed ram. Like, yeah, we've never seen it before. I don't care. It was really cool and very dramatic, and I yeah. buy it. So, okay. Uh, so we are approaching our, the two-hour-ish mark at this point. Uh, part of that is, is pre-process checking, but I think we, unless uh, there's something people wanted to talk about specifically, we should uh, move in toward closing remarks and wrapping up. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, um, oh, yeah. Good. Becky, do you have more to say? Uh, yeah, I, so I just wanted to to restate my frustration with how much of this movie felt like it was trying to say, no homo, you guys, no homo. Yeah. Um, which we, 
talked about a little bit with the the kiss of the women with no names um but in general so i so i like i i read poe dameron is you know pan he he's he's into all people and probably all species and it's <laughs> not determined by by gender like which is great uh and the fact that they kind of introduced like an ex-girlfriend and a like him you know making eyes at her and then her being like no um was was very fun <laughs> and very charming and as i said i read him as pan so that to me does not in any way negate the fact that i think he is queer but it felt like disney was trying to negate that yep. um and then the same with finn who even though they had sort of given him two potential love interests in the previous movies. They also introduced another woman, which may or may not have been intended as a love interest. I I think probably was, if only for the somewhat racist reason that she was also black. Yep. And uh, Disney is not super great with things like interracial relationships. Um, but that also felt a lot like them saying, oh, him and Poe, people thought that, but seriously, no homo, don't listen to Oscar Isaac, no homo, for real. Um, and that that is just so frustrating and so gross. And I'm like, I, I, I want to like these new female characters who are introduced. I am definitely like half-heartedly plotting some fanfiction about them because they deserve to have stories because they were introduced and then literally nothing was done with them. Right. Um... But the fact that it felt like they were introduced specifically so that Disney could make it very, very clear that these characters are are not gay and they're not pan and they're not bi and they're not queer at all. They just just two hetero men who have a close hetero relationship as bros, but but they hug. But don't worry, they're just bros. Like, come the fuck on. Um. So I was mad about that. Uh, and that was something that I had just wanted to call out very specifically, because I think, because I've seen on Twitter people saying, like, it sucks that they introduced this woman to negate Poe being queer, and then push back of, like, well, being, you know, bi or pan is not is a thing, and that doesn't negate it's queer. But in this case, I do think it's important to look at the intentions, which to me feel like it was intended to say that he is not, and yeah. that sucks um so even though i still think he is and it does not matter how many women you have him make eyes at i still think he's pan like screw you disney that's that's gross and retrograde and bad and yeah and i don't like it you don't get credit for call for writing a pan character if he only ever acknowledges and openly you know talks about attraction to women um like if we have to head canon right. one side of it but have canon of the other you don't get credit for that um, I'm 100% yeah. with you there. Um, uh, especially because, and, and again, it's the sort of thing where we're seeing something that, that could have been kind of cool. Because, honestly, how many stories have we had where the plucky, obnoxious, fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants, confident, cocky guy comes across a woman who expresses no interest in him, but his, you know, lovable, cocky ways eventually wins her over, and it ends with a kiss. And for her to, at the end of the movie, still be like, nah, not going back there. Like, that should have been a great moment, because that is subverting a thing that we see all the time. Um, but to instead have it be, like, 
yes, we're celebrating that moment, but this whole thing was in service to, nope, look at Poe Dameron. He really loves the ladies, and he only loves the ladies. Um, it just, it was just very disappointing. I agree. Uh, and it, like, I don't want a universe where demands from fans dictate fiction. I don't think that's right but I think if you've got it in the narrative and it already makes sense and it seems like at least somebody at some point uh wrote this down on paper as a good idea to then uh sweep it under and say no we can't do that and close all of the gates and not only and it'd be very explicit that no he's not into men is just it's gross I agree and then the it makes it feels weird to say this because we should be happy that there was uh, a homosexual kiss in a Disney film, right? Like that's progress. It should be seen as progress, right? And yet in the context, it still feels like it feels like the, the bar should be higher and that we should be able to have characters with names and stories and interests and, and pursuits that we hear that have dialogue, that have personalities that that have those kinds of relationships with each other and not um parts of i hate talking about people as as scenery because that's dehumanizing and it's gross but in the context of a film when you've got background characters they sort of play more of a role of scenery than as of of people and it's important to have people in these relationships to show that they are they matter Right. Right. Yeah. It's the difference between a, a character versus just a prop. To, uh, as as you were both saying, to kind of make that token point. Yes. And I, people who've listened to me on this show before, especially if you listen to um, I, this was a while back that I, we got onto this topic. But I think Jacob was with you. Um, I have said before that often when Hollywood shows a relationship, when when Hollywood shows two men having an emotional relationship there's often the desire to ship them immediately. And sometimes I push back on that a little bit because I do think there's something homophobic about the idea that two men who express emotion for each other must be gay um, because it, it, it underwrites the whole idea of male friendship that can be emotional and can be intimate without necessarily being romantic. Um, and so the fact that I am one of the people who, who thought, no, Poe and Finn absolutely should be happening. They are shipping this. How dare they not actually make it real you know, it's kind of the exception that proves the rule because it, if so, I am not the, the person who wants to aggressively ship every time two men come on camera. Um, but this one, I think, was definitely a, a case of them, you know, pretty baiting pretty hard with how those characters are written. Um, it, it also brings up one – we can have uh, two more hours of um, things from Last Jedi that we wish they'd picked up on this and we won't keep going down that road. But I, I do want to throw out one last one because I hadn't mentioned it yet, but it's related to Poe. One of the things that really lost me about this movie was in Last Jedi, We again, subverting stereo, subverting the, the, the normal themes, we have Poe Dameron being the cocky flighter pilot who doesn't listen to his uh, you know, fuddy-duddy boss and goes off and does the brave thing, but it turns out he was an idiot and he shouldn't have done that. And... We explicitly get this idea of Poe is a very good person at jumping in an X-Wing and blowing things up, but he should not be in charge. He does not have the leadership capabilities. And so for us to find out that Gen that Leia decided he should be in charge when she is no more, 
and then for him to make Finn the second in command, did, did that rub anyone else really wrong? Because it, it certainly did not sit right with me. Um, it rubbed Poe wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, for me, it was one of those things which was just kind of like, fine, because it was clear that there had been some passage of time between the end of that movie and the beginning of this one, so I guess we can kind of assume he matured off camera, and it did seem like Leia, uh, in her comment to Haldo, that she was training him and grooming him and trying to get him to that point because he had the potential to be a leader. Right. Um, so I wasn't... I wasn't put off by it. It just felt like they didn't do any work for it. And it was something which they should have because he was another character who they had no idea what to do with in this movie at all. Um, yeah. It, it, so, yeah. So there could have been something there and there wasn't. So I'm I'm disappointed, but I'm not <laughs> mad. Yeah. And I guess that, like... Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because my wife felt the need to, so, so Larissa felt the need to come into the room with something she had written on a notepad, which was to say, that the remember the only time a romantic relationship mattered to anything in Star Wars, we got Attack of the Clones. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've just been sent into a fit of the giggles, and I'm sorry. Well, well, well played, Larissa. I will fully agree with that that sentiment. Um, I keep asking her if she wants to be on the podcast, and she keeps saying no, and I don't believe her. <laughs> um, no, and, and just to what you were saying, Becky, like, you're right. I, if that was what they were saying, like, to me, it's one thing to say Poe should be in command because, of course, he should be in command, and then to expect us to make that headcanon of what happened. It, it makes me feel like Abrams didn't think about the fact that, that Poe had had this leadership journey in the last movie. Because all they needed was, like, one line of Poe finding out he's in charge and him saying, really? And, like, the person saying, yes, you know, Leia thinks you're not just the kid who wants to jump in a cockpit anymore. Or, you know, some better writing that I can come up with right now, but, like, some way of, in one line, acknowledging that Poe is not the same person he was in the last movie. Um, yeah. And that's... I, I just felt that with a lot of things here, where... Things were in such a different place, and we can we can headcanon to figure out a way how they got there. But the fact that Abrams didn't give us just this one line really tells me he wasn't thinking about it. He was just writing his own movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, or like in that movie, explicitly they called for help and and no one came, oh, and right. then in this one they called for help and everyone came this time for a reason. Like, sure, okay, whatever. Like, it it felt it it felt very lazy. Um, I did. I loved the. I loved that when everybody showed up. Actually, one of my favorite lines in the movie because it was the the line that was the most Star Wars to me was um. When they, uh, in the first order, it's the, the, the where did they get this navy? But that's not a navy. It's just people like to me that line really worked even though i was like but they did this plot already but yeah that time it was interesting because no one showed up and so now i guess everybody in the galaxy changed their minds um all just so it was definitely sitting around yeah so it was definitely another case of like john uh, abrams was not 
Abrams was not as interested in the stuff that The Last Jedi set up, and so he used some of it in some manner and sort of ignored some of it and then lazily referenced some of it. And like it, it, th- those are the ways in which it felt like a mess. And I think Poe is an example of that. And I think the, the Navy and the everybody showing up is an example of that. Um, yeah, that's, as I said at the beginning, the, the wrong kind of work to ask your audience to do. This is probably way too much to ask of a Star Wars movie, except that a Star Wars movie has delivered it. I I want a Star Wars movie to inspire me. You know, this is a fight of plucky, hopeless people battling what looks like tyrannical, you know, impenetrably evil and somehow winning. And when I was a kid, I was inspired by that. And when, you know, Trump took over and it seemed like all was hopeless, Rogue One inspired me about that. Force Awakens inspired me about that. Um, nothing about that last moment with the fleet, it it all, because my reaction wasn't like, yes, we can do it. My reaction was, oh, like you said, oh, whatever. I, nothing about it inspired me, you know, and I I haven't been able to put it in those words before, but I think that's a great, uh, I'm not complimenting myself there. (laughs) I just mean like, to me, that kind of summarizes, I think my overall feeling of like, it was a fine movie, but it didn't have the magic that I want from a Star Wars movie. And... I've already read 8 million takes that say that's because I'm, you know, an adult now and I was a kid then, but Rogue One had that magic. Force Awakens had that magic. Last Jedi had that magic. And this one was just missing that. So, I agree. Uh, And anything else we want to talk about? I'm being cute. Uh, So, we could go on for probably another hour, given the track record of the three of us (laughs) on a podcast talking about Star Wars. Uh, But I'm going to say that I cannot actually do that. In in fairness, Jacob, I think you and I probably have a whole lot of things that we still want to say. Becky has apparently already recorded a podcast about Star Wars. We (laughs) lost our exclusive rights to Becky on this, which I am... I was deeply disappointed about and to hear about until I realized it was Becky had done this on her own podcast. Um, uh, and so as a lead in Becky, um, if people want to hear more thoughts about you talking about Star Wars uh, or talking about some of your other stuff, how about that for a segue? How can they find more of you? Uh, well, so that podcast is uh, Rachel and Becky Judge Things. It is the podcast that my sister and I do where we did, in fact, um, just do an episode about The Last Jedi or nope. We did that uh, when that came out two years ago. Um, We just did an episode about Rise of Skywalker. um, Talked about some of the same things that we did here. Uh, We had an argument about some of the Leia Jedi training stuff. (laughs) Um, We disagreed on that. So if you're curious what what it sounds like when sisters yell at each other, uh, that's that. Uh, But yeah, RachelAndBeckyJudgeThings.com or on whatever podcasting app you are listening to this on, you should be able to find it. I will say Um, it is a great podcast. Um... I don't know if I'm 100% headcanoning this or I'm getting my dates entirely wrong, but if I'm correct, you started it uh, somewhat after you had been a guest on this podcast for the first time, so I'm going to 100% take credit for inspiring you. It's completely wrong, I'm sure. Um, but, but, but what I will say... Matthew, you should not take credit for Becky's accomplishments. How dare you? I, I would be willing to let it slide, except that it was actually Rachel's idea, okay, uh, and she had to harangue me into it. There you go. Um, but what I was going to say is, just on one further note, um, I have loved many episodes of your podcast. One of my favorites was you did an episode on The Christmas Prince, and in large part inspired <laughs> by your episode, um, I decided to watch The Christmas Prince, 
and wound up live blogging my watching of it on Facebook. So if, if anyone wants to capture more of the holiday season, I would highly recommend you listen to their podcast and then hate watch The Christmas Prince because it is a horrible movie that is highly enjoyable to hate watch if you know what's coming based on um, their their podcast. So with that note, go on to your other... <laughs> um. Yeah, so for if you if you think that some of my ideas are interesting and you would like to know what sort of thing I would like to write in a story, uh, I have two books, um, Bound by Blood and Sand and the sequel Freed by Flame and Storm. Um, and if you just think I'm kind of neat and want to follow me on the internet, uh, I am at AllReb on Twitter. Um, please come say hi and tell me that you love Ray because she's the best one. That's how I make most of my friends. <laughs> Jacob, you want to do yours? Uh, and... Sorry, I'm subscribing to your podcast. I'm subscribing to your podcast right now. Give me a second. Okay, I've subscribed. And now, uh, Matthew, I wanted to compliment you. That transition was not coarse at all. Oh, God, uh, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, um, one, one of uh, our fans, uh, the aforementioned person who was shipping uh, uh, Raylo, uh, had pointed out to me that uh, the habit that we used to have of first it was always finding a way to um, uh, mock uh, God now I can't remember his full name uh, Zack Snyder um, and then became our habit of always finding mm-hmm. a way to mention Marvel has now become uh, a habit of always finding a way to mention how much we hate the fact that Anakin hates sand so I appreciate you Jacob for keeping that trend alive <laughs> You know, somebody's got to take. Somebody has to to carry the banner, and I'm gonna raise it high and raise it proud because if you're gonna write a romance, you gotta do better than yeah. that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, I believe were you asking me where people can find me on the yeah, internet? Yeah, then I'll give the whole wrap up spiel. Was that a thing? Sure. So. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BotsRPeople2. R is the letter R. Everything else are real words, um, with the possible exception of bots, depending on who you ask. Uh, robots are people too would not fit, and I'm very upset about it. Uh, but can't come up with. I have not come up with a better Twitter handle than that. Uh, I also occasionally respond to people commenting on the superhero ethics uh, posts and links and such uh, when when I can. Uh, there have been people who have posted very engaging things there, so I like to uh, do, to uh, talk about those when when I can. Uh, I this is the only thing that I do that really puts myself out there. Uh, so if you want to find me other places, uh, show up to a random magic event, I guess. Maybe you'll <laughs> find me there. Uh, and if you do and you recognize me, feel free to say hi. I'm I'm not I'm shy. But I do like people, so please, I'll I'll be happy to hear that. I learned recently that somebody that I have never met and that Matthew has never met listens to our podcast, and I think there are multiple degrees of separation from us. So that's super yep. cool. I love that. Definitely true. Yeah. Um. Thank you guys both so much, Becky. Uh. Really appreciate you making time in your schedule. Um. Should point out that um. We're actually recording a couple of hours after we'd originally asked Becky's record. So thank you so much for being flexible. Uh, Jacob, thank It's 1030 at yeah. night. It's fine. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> we're, we're wrapping up soon, I promise. Um, and to all of our fans, thank you uh, so much for sticking with us and listening to us. Um, I want to tell you some good news, which is that um, a couple of months, about a month ago or so, I 
made some initial attempts to get something called the Star Wars Universe podcast going. Um, I'm now happy to announce that I have um, a couple of regular co-hosts uh, locked down for that. So that is going to be happening. Um, we'll probably start releasing new episodes at the end of January. Though I will be releasing this episode on that podcast stream as a, a kind of a feeder till then. But we have, um, if all, I don't want to promise anything yet, but if things line up the way I believe they will, we have one co-host who is going to be doing movie rewatches with me. And another uh, set of co-hosts who are going to be rewatching the Clone Wars TV show with me, um, and so we'll alternate episodes between those two, uh, and then move on to more Star Wars products uh, uh, in the future because there's just so much Star Wars stuff to talk about. Uh, and of course, Jacob and Becky will always happy to have you guys on as guests because um, you clearly have one or two things to say about the the War of the Stars. <laughs> um, for those folks who want to just kind of keep mm-hmm. up with this podcast, you can find us on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, at Superhero Ethics. Uh, on Facebook, we have both a page and a group. And as Jacob said, we try to get some good discussions happening in the group. And Jacob and I will often uh, chime in, as will sometimes uh, some of our guests. And Becky, you've commented sometimes there and raised some really good questions and points and point out things that Jacob and I missed in the past. Um, so, yeah, uh, feel free to get in touch with us that way. You can also email us, superheroethics at gmail.com. If you agreed with us, if you disagree, if um, an awful lot of people love this movie a lot more than the three of us did, certainly much more than I did, um, but I've heard an awful lot of positive reviews that um, from people who thought it did a really good job, especially people who um, maybe didn't like Last Jedi as much. We'd love to hear from you as well, um, unless you're a, a racist, sexist fanboy, but I don't think you're listening to this show if that's who you are to begin with. Um, but for all those reasons, um, you can also support us on Patreon or buy some of our uh, t-shirts and gear. All that information is going to be in the show notes. So as myself, uh, thank you again to both of you. uh, And and for all three of us, thank you to all of you listeners. Have a great day.